All right, Chumba, we, we would be remiss if we didn't wrap up this episode with a little Cleveland sports talk. Um, and again, it's just kind of an odd point in time of the year. We normally have a couple things happening right now, but we only have one. Um, so let's just, let's start it off here with the, with the Cavaliers. Um, there's just not much going on right now. Um, obviously the WA draft was last night. Uh, the Cavs took Isaac uh, Okoro from Auburn, a wing defender who can't shoot. Interesting choice, but whatever. It's a bad draft. Um, it's, it's just a bad draft. It happens. Um, so and Kevin Porter Jr. was caught with a gun in Mahoning County. I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's that serious, but you know he'll just get a fine or something like that. So the Cavs are like, just they're like out of the Cleveland sports cycle news cycle right now. Um, do you think that's a good thing? I do. I'm not gonna lie. I think it's good, and I will tell you, dude. Like with the team still sort of recovering from losing LeBron. And you're right. This Kevin Porter thing, everybody gets caught with a gun in Youngstown, dude. I've been caught with two of them. So like, that's nothing. That's a rite of passage. It's like growing up, you know? So I think that this whole thing will fizzle out, but for the most part, this is good. This takes a lot of pressure off the team. It takes a lot of pressure off the coaching staff. Um, the bicker staff can now there you go. Yep. kind of like, yeah, kind of like do his own thing, you know, like, and since they are not under a microscope in the same way that they were when LeBron was here, I just think it's going to give this team a better opportunity to just kind of gel. Like they don't have to worry about the whole like, hey, is Kyrie mad at LeBron storylines and all these kind of stupid things that were whether drummed up by the media, where they actually happen, whatever the fuck it is. They just don't have to deal with all this stuff because they're not the most popular show in town. And as long as like the Browns are six and three showing a winning record putting w's in the win column this is kind of like what they need they just basically just need some time to do their own thing they're coming off of months and months and months without playing a basketball game going on to eight nine months or whatever so i just think that they just need to take a step back this isn't really their time and whenever we get to the season that is their time the media can have their fun and sink their teeth in all they want to and stuff but now is just a time for them to assess the situation and basically almost almost rebuild as a team. Like it's just it's been so long. So I do agree with you on the Oka Four pick. By the way, uh, no idea where the hell that came from. Um, I thought they were going to go with Obi Toppin. I'm glad they didn't get Lamelo Ball. But it's just every time these last couple of drafts, I'm like, God, they're going to take this person, take a completely different person. I know. So. I think I think you know just to real quickly to, to start with the draft stuff because I think this is this is part of it, um, but you know they they took a coro because this is one of those years where like the uh, so Anthony Edwards goes number one overall and he's talked about in the past about how like he doesn't really like playing basketball that much yeah and that's I know what you're talking about yep. that's a red flag for anyone that I'm going to draft number one overall by the way um, James mm-hmm. Wiseman went number two and maybe he's you know he's probably going to the right situation in Golden State where you're going to have experienced player, like championship caliber players, championship caliber staff to potentially get the most out of him. I just don't think he's going to be, end up being that good. Um, so it's just such a, it's just such a bleh draft that like for the Cavs, mm-hmm. you know what they need? They need someone to play defense on the wing because, you know, cause Sexton and Garland don't. Um, so <laughs> they need someone to play defense on the wing. So this is like one of those draft years. Just take them. Even though, even though like Obi Toppin might be a better scorer, um, Obi Toppin doesn't play defense. Um, that's for sure. So it's one of those. Dra- There's probably a lot of teams that just pick players that said like we need this skill set, we need this body type. Who cares? Just take them because this draft sucks. 
Yeah, I got that's you. I got you, dude. Yeah, it's got. I'm like, I'm glad we did get Lamelo Ball, and I'm glad I, we didn't draft too. another guard. Like, if we would have drafted another guard, I'd been really mad. So, I don't know much about him, um, which definitely leaves me a lot of room to uh, to get to know him and to kind of like appreciate his game and stuff. But uh, I was just kind of taken back by it, dude. I was like, mm-hmm. wow, what the like another another what the hell is this? Like, I would it right. seemed like Obi Toppin was like the perfect storyline. Dayton playing there, going up to Cleveland and stuff like that. The Obi Toppin like a big ass dude, and now he's going to the Knicks, where he's going to be paired with R.J. Barrett. So the Knicks could be doing a. Uh, Kind of like what Philadelphia did, like, like you know, three, four years ago or something, mm-hmm. just building through the draft. So we'll see. Well, well, I mean, I don't trust the Knicks to do anything right, but um, that, that's true. No, you're right. <laughs> but uh, but he is actually uh, he's actually going home. He's from Brooklyn, so um, right. That's so right. he will be playing at home, which is kind of interesting. But regardless, it's you know what I think. Again, this is one of those things that like. It's not just it's not just the time off because the Cavs and because they were going to get the season started much later than we normally would under odd circumstances. I don't think any of these national writers whatsoever are going to be paying. I don't think the local writers whatsoever are going to be paying much attention to the Cavaliers um, because, like you know, we're going to have a, we're going to have a slightly shortened season. Um, the only teams that we really want to talk about and pay attention to, are, you know, the Lakers for obvious reasons. They're the defending champs. They have LeBron. They just made a, uh, I think, a very solid trade for Dennis Schroeder. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, then you want to pay attention to the Clippers because of PG and uh, and Kawhi. And then, like, right. everyone else can just kind of go fuck off. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> I, I think this is this is not only for the Cavs. I think this is a great time if you were the Pistons, the Pacers. Um, obviously the, well, the Knicks are always in a weird spotlight, but, uh, even the Nets, you know, getting, uh, Kevin Durant back from injury this year, you know, more than likely, I haven't heard anything about him, you know, having any setbacks. There's just right. a lot of teams that just can sort of probably fly under the radar until it's, you know, for different reasons, obviously I'm not suggesting that the Cavs are going to be like the Nets, but the Nets are probably going to fly under the radar. And like, all of a sudden you're going to look up and go like, Oh shit, they have the number three seed in the East. Um, right. And then you're going to, and then, but I think for a team like the Cavs, it's going to be like fly under the radar, get the work done. And then like, let's see what you look like under a coach that you respect and under a coach that knows the NBA game and knows NBA players. I just, I want to see it. And I think that's just going to benefit them playing games and probably anonymity in Cleveland. Yeah, dude. And who knows? It could be one of these situations where you look up one day and all of a sudden the Cavs are nine in the East. Right. And like, hey, by the way, like they're only a couple. And I and I could see that as being somewhat realistic, you know, especially if the team gels together. There's there's talent there. It's not like a talentless team or anything. But this whole flying underneath the radar and stuff like that, not being the hottest ticket in town, having people focus their attention on whether or not Harden's going to go to Brooklyn or not. Like mm-hmm. this is this is what this is what we need. And I even think that maybe to a certain degree, like too much attention, especially on like a smaller market teams like the Cavs that don't have LeBron, it's a good thing. It's mm-hmm. a good, just let, let them kind of do what they do. And I'm sure, you know, Terry Pluto and all the usual people write their articles every now and then. But uh, I think for the most part and stuff, it's a good idea to just let this team find its identity, find its own identity, give them a little bit of time to do it. And by hopefully by that time, the, uh, you know, looking at towards the end of football, if the Browns are in the playoffs, is a whole other thing. But um, yeah, I mean, this could be really good for them. Yeah, I think so. Uh, let's pivot to a team that is getting an amazing amount of attention for you know, considering they got blasted in the playoffs by the Yankees. Um, 
Cleveland Indians. So, like I said, they get blasted in the playoffs by the Yankees. Um, Lindor is out the door very soon here. Uh, the pandemic is, if you ask if you ask uh, Chris Antonetti and, and the Dolans, the pandemic is crushing them financially. I believe it. Um, yeah. So the Indians are a... Maybe they're a hot mess. Maybe not. I don't know. Is there a silver <laughs> lining to what feels like a big shitstorm? If there is one, throw it out there. The only thing I could think of is that we got a Cy Young Award winner with Shane Beaver and stuff like that this year. However, it's a pitcher. I mean, it's, it's somebody who only plays once every five games or mm. whatever it is. We have Francona coming back next year. And Terry, please take care of your fucking health. Believe me, dude. Like, we need you on this. You actually have to start taking it seriously. Um, and so I think we have that. We have him coming back. But that's it. I, I don't really don't know of any other. I mean, there. You know, we have. I'm assuming like we'll have a couple of players coming back and everything like that. We're not going to be a completely deleted, depleted team, but there's really not much to get excited about, especially because we have this unfortunate inevitability approaching us where we're going to lose Francisco Lindor. Yeah. Um, yes. It's. I mean, you know, it's it's funny when some people like try to find like silver like. Some people try to convince themselves that trade is not going to happen. Like, well, what if, you know, maybe maybe they can convince them because, you know, I've heard before that, like, well, you know, the pandemic, we don't know what contracts are going to look like going forward. And, like, that's true. I mean, that certainly is true. Players are going to have to shed, or excuse me, teams are going to have to shed certain players that are making too much money. But, like, teams aren't going to shy away from signing a Francisco Lindor when he's available. Um, right. You know, if... if <laughs> If suddenly, um, trying to think of someone else, um, if you know, if this was Shane Bieber's last year in in, in Cleveland and he wasn't going to sign long term, don't worry, Shane Bieber's going to get one hundred and eighty, two hundred and forty million dollars. There's just no way he's not. So, <laughs> right. you know, so like that really doesn't apply to guy like guys like that. That applies to guys like Carlos Santana, who had his you know had his uh, his final year turned down because you don't pay seventeen million dollars for a player like Carlos Santana. Um, you don't do that anyway, and you definitely don't do that when you're losing a lot of money. Um, so, but you you brought up two. I mean, you brought up maybe the the most important point, but I'll get to another one that you brought up too. We're not really that close to a rebuild. Um, it's not like we're a team that consists only of Francisco Lindor. In fact, this year you could argue that Lindor wasn't he wasn't himself, and the Indians still mm -hmm. had a good record, got to the playoffs. Um, yep. And I would, I would point to, not that it's the same, but I would point to this. The Washington Nationals lose Bryce Harper and then win the World Series the next year. It's, exactly. Baseball is one of the few, I mean, all the sports, you're, you know, you're not just a single player. But, like, baseball is the kind of sport where as long as you can replace the production or get close to it, it's like that player really isn't missed. You know, that's, that's mm -hmm. how Billy Bean built the, <laughs> built the A's in Oakland. Was <laughs> right. We lose Jason Giambi replace his stats you don't have to replace the player um so you know we're not we're not that close to a rebuild and since you brought up shane bieber it's very clear that our our coaching and our pitching staff from the minor leagues all the way up to the major leagues we can turn anyone into a cy young candidate anyone oh yeah yeah the indians like the one thing that they have demonstrated consistently over the last little bit of time is the the ability to develop pitchers and stuff like that and if you look at like dudes like Trevor Bauer and stuff like that. I mean, I know he's looking for another home right now. And does he have a weird thing about like not signing a max deal or something? I saw that. He online. wants to, he wants to try to maximize his value year to year. 
Which okay, okay, I guess. But you're much better off taking like an eight year, one hundred and fifty million dollar deal, buddy. Yeah, yeah. I just I, I've heard I, I heard that I thought it was yeah. very weird and unusual. But yes, we do have this almost tradition of decent pitching in the last like in the last five to ten years, something like that. And um, I think that that is a really good really good foundation for you to build a pitching core around just to even have that reputation and stuff. You're going to be able to attract really, really good talent. If you're known for developing pitchers, I think that's a something that's a really good like ace to have up your sleeve. And it's also not like a bad place to start at least building some kind of strategy and everything. And I'm going to say a little bit more on the team, not being completely depleted here in a little bit, but it's not mm-hmm. a bad position to be in to have a, be a team that's well known for developing awesome pitchers. It, if, if you go back, CC Sabathia, Cliff Lee, Corey Kluber twice, Shane Bieber, and I'm going to include Trevor Bauer, even though he won it in the National League because he pitched for us. Um, right, that's six Cy Young winners that played for the Indians in the last 15 years. Yeah, that's that, that's absurd. That is an incredible feat. Yeah, that's astro- that's pretty fucking awesome right there. Yeah, <laughs> that's absurd. I would I would actually if you know depending on what what the Lindor trade looks like. Um, there's actually the Dodgers are you know interested and involved. If they could get like a Dustin May or a Tony Gonsolin uh, in return, I would love to see. Mm-hmm. Especially Dustin May, he throws 102 miles an hour. I would love yeah. to see what the Indians pitching staff can do with him. I mean, he's a he's a oh, thrower yeah. now. If the Indians turned him into a pitcher, my God. Yeah, I know, dude. Like that. Um, I while I. I'm keeping an eye on that. That's a really tall order right now. For the Dodgers would have to do a lot of work to, oh, for to sure. get him here. For sure. But yeah, I mean, one of the Dodgers pitchings, like one of their two, like Justin Mayer, the other guy who you said, which escapes me, the name is yeah. escaping me right now. But um, those, one of those two going over there, that rounds out the Indians' pitching lineup pretty well. It pretty much replaces Clevenger, and then you have a um, a new like. The guy Tristan McKenzie or something McKenzie, like you have yeah. like young you have young talent like that that's coming up in development too. So it's almost like this adding that would be just a nice an, another solid addition to the foundation while you're able to continue to develop the younger players mm. that you have. Um, so how do you view, how do you view the the Dolans <laughs> villains heroes something else? Dude, they are our dark knight. They are whatever the city of Cleveland needs them to be. Okay. And like, this is just, I'm going to say something here. Like I, I could be off on this, but like, cause I, I know I'm well aware of the, the negative praise the Dolans get. Believe mm-hmm. anytime that there's ability to negatively praise them, they, they get their share of it. But I also think that I've heard some, I've heard praise about the Dolans too. Like I've heard like good things about them said about in the media and stuff like that. And I, I can, I'm struggling to think of like a, a specific occurrence that I that I can hone in on, but like I just know for a fact that like not everybody is in this perpetual state of saying negative things about them. So in my mind, they are just somebody that when we need to hate them, we hate the shit out of mm-hmm. them. It could be any reason whatsoever. But however, maybe they do something that turns out to be, and maybe it's not even them intentionally doing something. Maybe they're just making a move that turns out to be good. But there is some kind of love and appreciation for them whenever you know it's like everybody likes them but don't don't say we're all liking them too soon because the minute they do something wrong we're going to go after them yeah i that, i think that's a really great that's a really great metaphor right there that they're the dark knight um whatever the city needs them to be and right now they need them to you know right now yeah they need them to, the city needs them to be villains right now because we're we're not you know we're not advancing the playoffs anymore 
Um, you know, they and they get they to me they get so much credit because they run the most consistent franchise in Cleveland. Um, mm-hmm. They they are year in and year out since they've t- since they've been the owners, which is uh, I want to say like two thousand or two thousand one. They took over. Um, who has the best record percent best winning percentage in Cleveland? It's the, it's the Indians. Um, right, and it's really not even that close. So, you know, it, it's they get credit for that, but they run they run the Indians like a business, which it is obviously, but it's too much like a business. They're they're so risk averse um, to bringing in you know new players to you know pushing the payroll up a little bit here and there. They're so risk averse to it that they can only. You know, when we missed out on that 2016 World Series, I, you know, I think I think that window closed up almost immediately. And it, even as good as that 2017 team looked, winning 22 in a row, um, mm-hmm. that that team wasn't going to get that team wasn't in real in reality that team wasn't any better than the 2016 team. And yeah, and and they're so risk averse, and they're they're so not willing to do certain to go for it um, that. The, they'll never be able to be that team that they'll never be able to be like the Royals were a few years ago when the Royals got to the World Series one year lost and then got back to the World Series and won. I just can't envision the Indians ever doing that. At least under their yeah no, I, yeah no. It's you make a really good point about that window closing and there is just something about the, the Indians in the, you know the the twenty sixteen to. 2018 years or whatever it is it just it does kind of seem like that window closed and while there may not be a whole new string of brand new faces or something it's just it's just something that you could feel you know and like Mm -hmm. i've said this before that like while we did go to the world series in 2016 i have a feeling that that was the cubs all the way like no matter what the cubs were going even Mm -hmm. though it came down to like you know the last like couple innings and a rain delay to stop it but there was something like at a higher force that got involved for the Cubs to get that. It was almost like it was going to happen no matter right. what. So, so when I hear about this window and I mean, also number one, dude, it's really hard to get to the fucking world series. It like is. It, it's is really the, difficult. it is one of the, it is one of the harder things to get to number one, but then to get there and repeat, it's just, that's like asking like way too much almost right. at times. Like it's even kind of astounding that the Dodgers did it considering uh, there were points in time where I thought the, the Braves were going to take it to them. But um, so, yeah, it's just this window, like as we know it, it's closing up. Um, I don't know how to actually open it back up again, but um, other spend than money. except for just getting <laughs> spend money. the best possibly is spend money. Yeah. So like um, I, I know what you're saying here. Yes, I, I definitely agree with this window closing up, and they need to do something, especially with this Francisco Lindor um, issue approaching us, to open up that window again. I should, well, I should I, let me clarify: spend money in the immediacy, or tear it down and hope that you you get another Francisco Lindor. You hope that another Jose Ramirez shows up. You hope that another Shane Bieber mm-hmm. shows up. I mean, that those are the only two routes because they're not willing to pay anyone to, to stick around and do it. So. No, that's very true. I, I don't want to see them blow up the team, though. Like, I Neither still have I. this. Th- there's something about blowing up teams that I, at times, like, I feel like it should happen. Like, there were some Brown seasons where I'm like, just fucking trade everybody. Who cares? Like, just why the hell not? But with but with baseball and the Indians, like, I don't think that blowing up a team, especially this this specific team, is the right answer to the problem. Right. Is the right answer. It's just not. No, no, you're 100% right. Um, so what are you expecting this year from the Indians? And then, you know, you know, maybe a couple years down the road. 
Okay, so being that we're not a completely depleted team, what I I'm kind of expecting like something like Andy Dalton Cincinnati Bengals type shit here, mm-hmm. where you're in this like perpetual state of not mediocrity, but it's like a couple shades above mediocrity. Mm-hmm. You're still like you would be considered a contender you by sports writers and you know stuff on Instagram that makes hierarchies of different things. Like you'd be a contender, but. I don't think that you're like a legitimate contender. Like it's somebody that you know is going to make the playoffs. Like, yeah, you could almost like write off the regular season to a certain degree. You're like, they're going to make the playoffs or at least be in the hunt. But what they do when they get into the playoffs is a completely different story. And now I know that um, like even part of me, just knowing the genius of Terry Francona, I do feel that he would attack the situation as best as possible. And we'd probably get some results that maybe like, I didn't even expect and Maybe they knock off a team or something in the playoffs that I didn't expect them to beat, but I don't see them actually getting number one to the world series or winning it. We're mm-hmm. talking, we could be talking of like three to five years where if we get to the ALC, the, the, the pennant, the ALCS or yeah. whatever, it's going to be, like that's going to be something that it's like, yeah. oh Jesus Christ, I can't believe we got there, you know. So th- that's kind of where I'm at. We're looking at something like the Andy Dalton Cincinnati Bengals years. That's a, that's a really good comparison and something I thought about too. That you're gonna have a, you're gonna have a competitive team with a lot of there's gonna be in the coming years especially there's gonna be a lot of new young faces popping up all over the diamond. Um, but uh, you know they're they're just they're the way they're built. They're they're like a I don't know they're like a really safe mutual fund. Like it's not gonna, <laughs> they're not gonna drop, you know, they're not gonna plummet. You're not gonna lose all your money, um, for at least, you know, for the, I would say for at least like probably five, a solid five or six years. You know, they're not gonna plummet. You're not gonna lose all your money, but you know, your your return on investment isn't gonna be. You're you're not gonna become an overnight millionaire. You're not gonna strike it. You you probably won't strike it rich with this team, but you'll be pretty safe cheering for them for the next like five or six years. Of course, that's a really good, the mutual fund thing, that's a really good way to put it. Just a state of stagnant growth, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's minimal growth, or should say consistent growth, minimal risk, right? That's that's yeah. the Indians. Yes, exactly. Uh, now let's let's pivot to the Browns here, and I'm going to start off with the, with the question that is permeating the air in Cleveland, but what is your feeling on Baker Mayfield right now? <clears throat> okay, so with Baker... I, I still like him. I, I do like Baker Mayfield. However, I have a lot more question marks about him than I originally did. And right now, the Browns kind of feel like Baker's first year, except Baker's not really putting up the numbers that he did his first year. Like, I don't believe he's thrown anywhere near as many touchdowns by this point in time, right. like in his, his first, the first year in the league. Right. And... I hate to say that I hate to be a, a total height supremacist here, but dude, the little thing, the little ass quarterback, it's, it's, he's not Kyler Murray. He's not running all over the field being the goddamn man. And like, I'm seriously starting to question, like if this guy could actually like see over the O line consistently to like make decent plays and stuff. And I know, believe me, man, like I know that there's been a couple of moments, like particularly during the Cincinnati game where he just kind of showed up and it was like, man, I'm the man now. But if you can't do that against the fucking Cincinnati Bengals, man, we got we kind of got a little bit of a problem here. And I'm also concerned with how not only Joe Burrow, but Justin Herbert for rookies on the Bengals and the Chargers, while they don't have as good a records as the Browns, 
they're putting up way better fucking like passing yardage numbers and stuff like that. It seems like Justin Herbert is like a fantasy dream sometimes. And I just like, I kind of feel that he, he is not progressing in a way that I would like. And I believe that it's got to just all be boiling down to the physical limitations of Baker Mayfield. And he's what I thought was going to be, Hey, the next Russell Wilson, this big time franchise quarterback for the Browns for 10 years. Right now, I'm kind of thinking like game manager and maybe not this year, but if we suck at some point in time in the future with Baker behind center, we're going to be looking at drafting a legitimate, uh, drafting another quarterback here or getting some, I don't know, some like veteran or something like that, even though I can't even begin to imagine who they would get that would come to Cleveland. But Baker's future might be in question is what I'm saying. So I, I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to, to toss him aside just yet, but my concerns have gone more through the roof in the last little bit of time than before. I'm with you on the concerns. I a hundred percent. I, I, I I would put it that I need him to show me more. Um, Like I'm Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm with you on the concerns. I don't think they even any way, shape or form relate to his size at all. Um, What they relate to is he had Freddie kitchens as a head coach last year who couldn't find his fucking asshole. If, if if you pointed (laughs) right on it. Um, and before then he had Hugh Jackson as a coach. Um, and he's had like five different coordinators in three years. Um, that's, that's like the main problem for me. Um, but also it feels like, it feels like his decision-making is just as like a split second behind. And since you brought up Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, I think Justin Herbert's getting pretty lucky on a lot of his long throws. But I think what Joe, what I see with Joe Burrow is someone who in college and now at the pro level, and he was, you know, he's an older, he was an older college player. I mean, you think he's like already 24. I think he's like only a year younger than Baker Mayfield. Um, mm-hmm. um, or a year and a half, whatever. Um, I can see, I can see Joe Burrow processing the play faster than basically any rookie can process the play. Um, and yeah. he even looks faster than Baker Mayfield and some, and some more recent quarterbacks. Um, to come out, he processes the play and knows what to do immediately. The problem is that he is living... <laughs> he Basically, they need to put a suit of armor on him um, because he's just getting obliterated. But mm-hmm. but that's that's where I see Baker Mayfield's issue, is that like he's a split second behind seeing what the, what's actually opening up. And I also think, which is... you can, that's, that's sort of like in the completion percentage. I can see that. But... In terms of like the numbers being down, that doesn't really bother me because Stefanski has decided that we're going to run the absolute shit out of the ball. Um, yeah. So like that was going to happen. Like we, we knew that that was going to happen. That we weren't going to have that if I, like if Baker Mayfield ended up throwing like let's say he ends up throwing like twenty five touchdowns this year or twenty two, twenty three, I think that would still be a good number with a team that's going to get potentially ten rushing ten maybe not ten rushing but ten total touchdowns out of each of their top backs. Yeah, I got you. No, I definitely got you on that. And you're, we'll get to Stefanski here in a second. But the thing that was going on with Freddie and Hugh Jackson and all that stuff, like that has to screw with a court. That has to. to stunt any development. Like, there's no way in hell. Like, even the greatest football mind that could possibly exist, they're just gonna struggle from going to system to system to system and everything. And for him to so. Baker, but look at Tom Brady. Of, look at Tom Brady. I mean, he's having the 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 Buccaneers are winning, but they've had some mm-hmm. really bad games, and he's had some terrible games um, since oh, he's, yes, since he he's, has. since he's teamed up with Bruce Arians and and their offensive staff. 
Yeah, no, that's a really, really good point at that. I'm, I'm still like, I'm using a little bit more of an uneducated approach. It's, I still just the size to me for some reason. I can't get over the size element in with quarterbacks and stuff like that. Because I, I look at Josh Allen, who's this beast, who's also been in the league for three years, and now he's, you know, he's freaking uh, like leading the league in passing yards and all that stuff. Buffalo is decent again. I know he's got Stephon Diggs or whatever up there, but. Um, like, yeah, I mean, maybe losing Odell might be something to th- this whole thing as well. But I just, I don't know. I'm like, I, I just have this, I have these feelings about Baker that I didn't have before. Mm. And I, I'm not liking it because I was all, I was really all in on this dude. I almost bought one of those fucking old ugly ass jerseys that the Browns had of Baker and everything mm-hmm. like the, the jerseys from last year and stuff. And now it just, it kind of feels like I'm in a completely different world sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's great that they're winning, but they're beating shittier teams. The the best team they beat is probably what the Colts or the Cowboys or something like that mm-hmm. right now. And we need to we need to like just see them beat Baltimore the way they did last year. There's got to be just give us something, something to hang our hats on, you know? Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I I mean that's that's been like that's been on that's been on like the fan um, on on ninety two three that that sort of I've heard that call a hundred times now. I think. Where it's like, well, all they do is beat shitty teams. I'm like, well, would you rather them lose to shitty teams? Like, I don't, I don't understand like what right. your <laughs> problem is with this. They should beat shitty teams, and they kind of annihilate shitty teams. Actually, so that's fine. Um, but no, for sure. Like, I, I think, I think, I think the thing with Mayfield. Uh, just getting back to Mayfield specifically here. Like, I am, I'm still on board, but very cautious about it. The problem is, I don't. When are you? What are you? Are you going to get rid of him and then make that position better? I just yeah, don't that's think a really can. good point. Yeah, I don't. I don't know who they're going to like. Case Keenum, I don't think is a step in the no. right direction. No. I don't know of any. I just, just like even if you are like a, a really good quarterback who's up for free agency, why are you going to come here? You know, and like I you're still it's just... NFL's NFL's different from every other sport. Like that's okay. Like guys go places. Guys will go places to play with players in the NFL and and go to places that make sense for them in the NFL. I mean, that's like why Green Bay can sign free agents. Um, right. Like why Minnesota can sign free agents. Um, it just doesn't work the same way. It's not like it's not like the NBA where like the city 100% matters. But I gotcha. I gotcha. I mean, that's why like people, guys go to Buffalo and sign extensions. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're right. It's, it is a it is a completely different sport but, in that regard. I guess you're right on that. But at the same time, like, do you do you think Matt Ryan gets you to the Super Bowl? Because he might be out of out of Atlanta next year. Yeah, no, that's not happening. And even if he could get this, he's not going to bring it home as we saw from before. <laughs> right. So you know, you know, that's that's like sort of your like immediate veteran option. And then obviously, we're not going to be able to draft Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, right. not even Trey Lance, the the quarterback that's coming out of North Dakota State. So you're looking at like, I mean, I don't know, Sam Ellinger, um, maybe Kyle Trask, uh, Mac Jones yeah. out of Alabama. Do you think any of those guys make the Browns better? To be honest with you, I do not think so because I just, being that they're unproven in the NFL, I cannot say that any of those, I can't even tell you if Trevor Lawrence makes us better. It sure right. sounds like it does, but there's, there's no guarantees on that. And who knows Trevor Lawrence, you know, it's Trevor fucking Lawrence, but he takes one step on the field, gets clocked by a line, a professional linebacker. And it's a different story. Mm -hmm. You know, I I just, there's too many variables to even predict who can make the team better. You know, I would, I would almost want Baker to either bomb out the last seven games 
or like it's for me it's an either or either bomb out or like ball out so like we know 100 yeah. percent where we stand yeah exactly like i i'd rather have that because i'd rather have them ball out it, by the way just for the record oh yeah you're rather, oh yes yes but, because yeah. it's gonna it's gonna give us the opportunity to find out if we have the game manager if we have the franchise quarterback and stuff and the game manager can win games but it's not going to win you the super bowl and stuff right. like i mean even if a game manager does win a super bowl that's just like all the planets getting aligned and everything right. like that. But like he may he he may be like an Andy Dalton type thing where yeah you're you're getting to the playoffs you're not winning in the playoffs and I hope to God that the Cleveland uh, organ the Browns organization just doesn't settle because it's better than what they were dealing with. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah it's cool we if we get to the playoffs this year that's awesome and if we, even if we lose in the first round it's still a lot better than what we were three four years ago. Right. It, I'd but rather have that if, than lose all of our games. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And yeah, oh, totally. And then like, but then there's this inverse of that where what if it's three or four years from now and all we've done is make it to the playoffs and lose the first round. We're not a losing team anymore. We're not the laughing stock of the NFL. Hopefully the Lions are. But it's, um, you know, it's just, are you going to accept that? Is that okay with you? Because you're there to build a winner and to build a Super Bowl contender, as I've been led to the, given the impression that they are there Mm -hmm. to do then you're going to need to do something so you can take that next step. I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. So let's let's talk about one of those steps that they did take this offseason, hiring Kevin Stefanski as the head coach. Um, just how, how has Kevin Stefanski done? I mean, do you, you know, be it a grade letter or, or you know, you know, a number, whatever you want to, however you want to throw this out, however you want to rate Stefanski, how has he done for you? Okay, I'm giving him a very, very high C right now. Um, we're still in the middle of the season. And I am not giving him a B because it seemed like in the beginning of the year, and I'm not, I doubt anybody has ever come forth and saying this, but it just seems like he had something to prove with this quarterback. He is going to make Baker Mayfield a stud. He's going to give him three downs to pass every single time. We're going to completely ignore the best dual threat running combination in the fucking NFL, you know, just completely like we're not going to give them the ball as much. And I, I for some reason, I thought he was like hell bent on developing Baker early on in the season, which cost some opportunities for Chubb and Kareem Hunt and everything. But it seems like the last, maybe like the last two or three games, I think that is no more. I think he's kind of maybe like embraced the reality of the fact that even when he doesn't have Nick Chubb, he has Kareem Hunt, who's still a goddamn badass, and basically putting the team on the running back shoulders and letting Baker make plays when he kind of needs to make plays. And I'm very, very, very much on, on the side that this guy is infinitely better than Freddie. This guy is infinitely better than Hugh Jackson. Um, I just, I, you know, like I know we were not even going to be able to tell something like this for a while, but I just, it's not like I'm seeing like the next Belichick, but I don't think that I need to see that right now. I just think that he needs to get in there and develop. He's bringing home W's. He's made some questionable things of course, but for the most part, like I think that we're in a good position. I'm yeah. Um, I'm going to be more effusive in my praise for Kevin Stefanski, and I will say this: sort of the issues with the running game early on. You don't run the ball when you're down thirty-eight to ten. That's true. That's so true. there's no reason to run the ball when you're down, unless you're just literally waving the life white flag and saying that you're done playing. Um, so that's why <laughs> Chubb and Hunt didn't do anything in that first game because they were down by like thirty points in the first half. But um, no, I, I Kevin Stefanski gets an A plus. 
And okay. it really doesn't have as much to do with with the game results. Um, I mean, it does, but all of this sort of leads into that. So he, week, you know, after the first week, after the first disaster uh, against Baltimore, which is what happens to a lot of rookie head coaches, by the way, they usually don't like come out of the come out of the out of the gates with like a fifty point victory. Um, uh, you know, after that first week, he found an identity for the team. A, a team that hasn't had an identity in decades, but you mm-hmm. know, since since the Bernie days, uh, it was the last time the Browns have had an identity. Um, it really seems like the players and staff trust him implicitly with anything and everything. That they trust him to make the right call. They trust his coaches. His coaches trust him. Um, I didn't really get that feeling at all with Freddie Kitchens. I think people were amused by him, mm-hmm. but they didn't really trust him necessarily. Um, Kevin Stefanski seems like he has that. He has figured out a way, in a way that Freddie Kitchens could not, in a way that Hugh Jackson could not, he has figured out a way to install a system that maximizes our strengths. We have a great offensive line and great running backs. We have good tight ends. Let's figure out how to use them. We have physical wide receivers. We can They can block downfield for us. Let's figure out how to use them. He is, he's done stuff that like you would think would be would be like, just like, you know, slap your head, no brainers. But like coaches... Even even seasoned tenured coaches come into places and say that we're going to do this this way instead of like Jim Harbaugh did a couple years ago. Go okay, Lamar Jackson is fleet-footed and he's a decent passer, but how do I maximize his talent? And that's what Jim Harbaugh did. Um, John Harbaugh, excuse me. Um, that's what John Harbaugh did, and that's what Stefanski, to a degree, has done with the Browns. He's figured out exactly what makes us the best we can be, and he runs with it. Um, and he did this all as a first-year coach, which is hard. He did this all as a first-year coach without an off-season and with a minimal in a very minimal training camp. Um, that's real hard. Um, so for me, the fact that we've come out of this six and three—that's that's a plus work by Stefanski. Yeah, dude, I got to tell you, the whole thing about installing a new culture and everything like that—it does seem like there's a whole new fucking kind of culture with the Browns and everything. Like it, it just does. And this guy, I. I'm very, very just entertained by watching him speak and give pre- press conferences. Like he's extremely well-spoken. He's so intelligent. And this is one of these deals where like, I think it's just because he is a smart as shit Ivy league educated mm-hmm. dude that he is just seeing things that Freddie kitchens being from wherever he is and from being the quarterback of Alabama, you're just not going to see, like, it's just a completely different like style of intellect or even caliber of intellect for, for that matter. And he's just like, you're right. Maximizing every single element that he can at times. And even just, like the offensive line and the run game now, like really utilizing the run game and stuff, pounding the ball in with like a hunt and and Chubb and everything like that. Like these are, he's just figuring stuff out, I guess he's really uh, figuring it out faster than maybe even I would have expected. Yeah. I I think it's not perfect. I mean, the defense is fucking terrible. If, if, if miles Garrett and or Denzel Ward don't make a play, um, then it, then it's, there's a, there's a good chance that like, there's going to be a long play being made. Um, right. Miles Garrett's Miles Garrett is so good that like he keeps the rest of the Browns' defense kind of like protected. Um, is basically basically how good he's become. Um, and and Denzel Ward finally having finally healthy, you know, played all has played in all nine games this season, and like we could now we're seeing the talent that got him drafted fourth overall, and and and, you know seeing the talent that had like a lot of flashes his rookie year. 
you know, so there's good spots there, but I mean, the defense is fucking atrocious. <laughs> like it's, it is, yeah. it's bad. Um, so like there's, you know, it's an A plus, but like, it's sort of like a conditional A plus. I know like, yeah, I got he, he's done the most he can do and we're the better for it. Now, if next season we come out of the gates and we play the Ravens next or even next season, even next week or two weeks, I think we play the Ravens again, uh, or maybe three weeks, two or three weeks, regardless if we go to the if we if the Ravens come here and they beat us again thirty eight to ten or whatever it was, then that that's like one of those like okay so maybe we're gonna take a, a letter grade off of there maybe Stefanski's got a B plus. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha, you, dude. And I got to tell you, for even to be above, like even to hear you give this guy above a C for this point in time, it shows a lot of promise for the future. Like even if you have to knock him down to a B. That's still not enough, which we would have given Freddie Kitchens and Joe oh, yeah. Jackson for. So, so there's a lot. And who knows, maybe like next year, hopefully everything will hopefully, even though, you know, whatever, we could maybe be as normal as humanly possible, at least when it comes to training camp and the proper like preseason and stuff. Like Stefanski could be end up being a dangerous dude, like when mm-hmm. it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. Um, so how about uh, how about team MVP this far? Okay, so th- I, for me, it's there's no other person in the MVP. It's Miles Garrett all the way. Mm-hmm. Like th- this guy, uh, nine and a half sacks right now. He's actually above Aaron Donald by half a sack. Right. Um. And, and th- when it comes to defensive linemen in the, the league, it's just basically him and Aaron Donald and a bunch of other people that don't really need to be mentioned. But um, and what he's doing for the team, he's just such an integral an integral part of the uh, the defense and everything, and just playing like a goddamn boss. Like he, as of right now, there is nobody else in my mind that's the MVP on the team. He is he is a lot like Aaron Donald in in certain situations. He is basically unguardable. Like you, I mean, mm-hmm. he and Aaron Donald both it, it, they both look like there's certain looks. Like when you see Aaron Donald line up lined up inside against like a um, like line up and line up inside against a guard or something. And like you just know that that guard is not going to be able to slow him down unless he's getting some like help from the center, or help from the tackle. And when I see Miles Garrett out wide and there is no running back coming to that side and there's no tight end over there. I'm like, Oh, this poor, this poor <laughs> offensive tackle has got to deal with him one-on-one. That is rough. That is rough. Yeah. That's a goddamn challenge right there. I would not want to be put in that position. However, I am kind of interested to feel what it would be like to be trucked by that guy, just to be outright flattened by him. It's probably not enjoyable, but it's got to be a hell of a He might, he might move too fast for you to even get trucked. Like, he might just be beyond you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just he's beyond you already, and, like, he doesn't even have to hit you. It's unreal. Oh, yeah. For, for me specifically, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's not – he could just go around me. Like, I'll I'll be in the pass protection stance while he's sacking the quarterback. <laughs> right. But, but let's just say, for example, I was fast enough. I would kind of be interested to know what the hell that's like. He's going to knock six feet back in the air. Right. Uh, how, about your, how about your co-MVP? Okay. This right here – I know who the co-MVP will be in the future, but right now I kind of got to give it to Kareem Hunt. He's been, and it's not taking anything away from Nick Chubb's performance. Mm-hmm. It's just Nick Chubb missed a couple games, so this is basically about who's been there the longest. Right. And Kareem Hunt's the number six or seven rusher in the NFL right now. He's got over 600 yards, um, which is you know, which is actually like not all that horrible considering um, the leading rusher is only a couple hundred yards above him, the dude from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Right now, for me, it's it's Kareem Hunt. Like it's somebody that I, I can look at and I can be like, give him the ball, 
and he's going to get you three, four yards of carry, hopefully more than that. And it just, it's just a matter of consistency. I can't give it to Baker because he's not as consistent. Nick Chubb, who I would love to give it to, he just got hurt. And believe me, by the end of the year, I'm sure I will. But as of right now, uh, it's Kareem all the way. I, I can't disagree with that whatsoever. And as a matter of fact, I'll go ahead and just jump into mine right here. My MVP is the combination of Chubb and Hunt. That okay. it's, when, you know, Nick Chubb's... Nick Chubb leading the leading the charge for the running backs, and then without, you know, there's obviously a little bit of a, you know, when you're playing without someone who's as good as Nick Chubb, you're not as you're just not as good. But Kareem Hunt filled in so admirably that it's not. I shouldn't say we didn't miss a beat, but like the beats that we missed clearly weren't that detrimental um, when mm-hmm. when Chubb was out. So Chubb and Hunt collectively, and this past week they both got 19 carries apiece, both went over 100 yards. Um, yep. You know, they both do things, you know, they, they both are tough runners, obviously. They're both kind of built similar, built the same way, you know, about like 5'10", 5'11", 200, you know, between 215, 230 pounds or so. But, you know, you got Chubb, who's definitely more of your classic Emmett Smith type of running back, who's going to go through the tackles and just, just knock people over. And you have Hunt, mm-hmm. who's a nice, who can do that on occasion, but also catches a lot of passes out of the backfield and you can flank them out and do stuff like that with them too. So I think... I think I, I love this sort of return to um, the Biner and Mac days of the Browns. Little thunder mm-hmm. and lightning. I love it. So I think I think they are they they collectively they're the MVP. Yeah, like this right here is like Browns football as we know it. This isn't trying the West Coast offense right. and all this other shit. This is like just giving dudes the ball, giving one of the best positions that that has ever been created. I mean, sometimes like the running backs more than the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Just letting them go fucking be goddamn men out there, and they're getting the results. Yep. Uh, Co MVP. This is I'm going a little little out to left field here, but I'm giving it to offensive line coach Bill Callahan. Um, you know, in order for Chubb and Hunt to do what they do, the offensive line has to be mm-hmm. a, a good unit. And we have taken um, a, a right guard in Wyatt Teller, who was basically a you know just kind of an add-on uh, trade piece last year. And he is, you know, when he's he's missed some games, but when he's in and he's healthy, Pro Football Focus has him rated as one of the top three guards in the entire league. Um, I know he was not a top three guard when he was a Buffalo. So, um, right. So that's a big deal right there. Um, you've had, you know, we've, we've had Jack Conklin, uh, one of our big, you know, one of our big free agent pickups, he's been in and out of the lineup and we've had, uh, Kendrick lamb come in and he's not, he's not as good as Jack Conklin, but he's played solidly when he's been in, like there really hasn't been much of a drop off for his level of play either. And then to shift it over to the other side with Jedrick Wills, our rookie, our rookie left tackle, you know he's had he's had some holding calls and, and I think he's had like a couple of false starts. Nothing like outrageous, and you don't really hear his name called a lot, which is a good mm-hmm. thing for an offensive lineman. And the right. fact that he's made that switch from the right side to the left side, and we're not we're not hearing we're not seeing him get blown up in every play. We're not seeing him a hole. We're not seeing him jump off sides or anything. That speaks volumes to how well Bill Callahan has coached this entire unit. Yeah, I got to tell you, our offensive line is doing some pretty good things right now. And I thought it feels like the offensive line within the last like year or so is just, I mean, compared to last season has just gotten infinitely better and everything. Yeah. And dude, I, I could be like a little off on this, but 
I heard somewhere that like I think it was in Vegas they were maybe like charting out potential MVP candidates for the league and the odds of winning it or whatever. And Wyatt Teller actually had like decent odds. Right? I guess his, <laughs> his performance as an offensive lineman he's yeah, translated to decent odds in Vegas. Well, right, right. Um, yeah, that, that that would be very interesting if an offensive lineman ever won MVP. But um, it's just like. You know, we already had like uh, you know Zeitler's already um, a, a, an excellent an excellent center, um, and Joel Petonio has been a Pro Bowl left guard for you know now like running like five years or whatever, um, mm-hmm. and now we have like all the other pieces are playing at that level too. It's it's fucking fantastic. Yeah, dude, it's a really good thing when the offensive line is uh, doing good work, man. That's good shit. All right, and not Kevin Zeitler, fucking. Um, Oh god damn it! I just said Kevin Zeitler. We traded Kevin Zeitler. This is gonna buy the helmet. Why? Why am I forgetting his name right now? Oh god, I can't even remember. I'm totally drawing a blank on it myself. <laughs> J. C. Treader, not Kevin Zeitler. J. C. Treader. Yeah, the guy who's the president of the, the president of the NFLPA. Like yeah, yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, J. C. Treader, not Kevin Zeitler. Jesus. Anyway, but uh, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> so have you? Do you get like the same disgruntled Browns fan experience in L. A. <clears throat> Or is that just gone? Because uh, you just you don't you don't see it. Okay, like as a fan, and they lose, and it's that part of it sucks. The good thing about it, though, is not to be constantly reinforced by okay. it. So when I listen to like when I listen to the sports talk radio in Cleveland, which I do for about an hour and a half or two hours, uh, the five days during the week, that's when I get a lot of it. But it's almost like as soon as I leave that it's not as bad for me. You know, I just, I guess like even going through um, angry Twitter feeds and stuff like that, a lot of really good humor, a lot of really good things that have been brought up in there. And there's a lot of just people being fucking idiots, but because I am on, you know, so far away, some of that stuff doesn't stick with me the Mm -hmm. way that it used to, you know? So like if I was living in Cleveland, there might be a solid chance that like a really good tweet after a Browns loss kind of gets ingrained in my mind. It doesn't really do it so much. So I, I, so I'm fortunate in that regard. And then not to mention like whenever the games are over, it's one o'clock in the afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) You can do whatever. You the whole day day yourself. I know. Um, Yeah. yeah, I know you're, you're lucky because I'm just, I'm not going to, I won't dwell on this point because there are still people that complain about miles Garrett. Yeah, I'm like, oh, what yeah. is he? I hear it on, the, he I hear it on to, the radio. What is oh, he yeah. supposed to do? Get a sack every play? Jesus. Right. Anyway, I know that. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Definitely. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, so just real quick to wrap this to wrap this part up. Uh, do the Browns make the playoffs this year? Okay. Originally, when I filled the lineup out, I had yes written down, and then I looked at the potential playoff picture right now, and all of a sudden, the fucking Dolphins are yep. kind of a playoff good, contender. Man. Well, solid. They're yeah, solid. I will. Yeah, I will say they looked really good in those throwbacks last week. Yes. Like, those looked fucking yep. dope. And I hate I hate the new Dolphin. I loved seeing those old jerseys and stuff. So right now, I'm not all that confident. And I, I have the stupid feeling that it's going to take almost like the Browns playing a completely perfect second half of football, which there's a lot of questions to be raised there. And if they do... If if they do not make it, which is kind of what I'm thinking now, they're just going to be cheated out of it. You know, they're still going to have a winning record, but when all the numbers add up and all this the crazy shit that they do and all that stuff, I just have a feeling it might not be enough. Yeah, I I'm sort of I'm sort of with you, and not as not from a, from the aspect or not from the standpoint that like because they're going to be bad suddenly the rest of the year, just that 
I mean, they have the they have the Giants, they have the Jets, and they have the who else am I missing out? They have the Giants, the Jets, and they play the, the Eagles, Eagles this weekend. This week. um, yeah. And I, th- there's one more complete stinker that they have in the schedule. I feel like, but oh. man, who? No, they already played. No, so yeah, maybe I'm just thinking of the Giants, Jets, and uh, and Eagles here. Those that should be three wins, realistically speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, is if they if they get three wins there and then like. I don't know if, if Pittsburgh is undefeated going into the last week, um, or you know, or they've already clinched. Pittsburgh probably won't really play in that game, and that's a win. So they can get to ten wins and like go ten and six. But I think mm-hmm. they're going to need one of those wins to be against the Titans or the Ravens. Yes, I got. Yeah, they're definitely going to have to knock off. Yeah, for fucking sure on that. It's not going to be how it. You know, they're not going to go along and beat a bunch of like mediocre teams and get in the playoffs. Like they're going to need whatever points, whatever pizzazz or show factor, whatever it is to get them to, to get them over that hump and stuff like that. Just whatever they're yeah. doing now, I don't think it's enough. Right. Exactly. So yeah. But if you, if you take hell, if you take care of business against the Titans and the Ravens, I can't imagine that they don't make the playoffs then. Um, then you have a, right. You have a win over the Titans and you're tied with the Ravens. That would be, you know what I mean? Like that's, but mm-hmm. regardless, I think I think they could get to ten wins and, and make the playoffs, and get to ten wins and miss the playoffs. Yep, it's yeah. That's I. I actually have ten and six is what I wrote down. That's the record I'm going with. I just the AFC is so good. You know what I'm saying? It's just the, yeah. it's a good conference. It's better than the NFC. So right, they they have to work against that. Uh, all right, just a couple quick questions here to wrap things up. Uh, Chuma, do you think do you think there's an asterisk next to any champions from this season? Oh, yes. So this is where I'm going to revisit the college national title. I think that if there's anything that I'm going to look at with an asterisk, it's probably the college football championship. And there's just too much lunacy in the sport with all the cancellations and everything. Not to mention not everybody's playing the same amount of games, mm-hmm. which I that factors into it to me. It's like, really, like this person is the best team, though they only played six. It'd be like if Oregon won the national championship somehow, and they win the national championship by only having a seven-game season. Six, yeah, while, six or seven-game season, right. <laughs> yeah, so while I believe me, I, Ohio State's a great football team. I'm not taking anything away from them. I'm not taking anything away from Alabama. I'm not taking anything away from the quality of these teams. But it's just the lunacy of what's going on in the sport right now. The fact that Alabama scheduled eight games or whatever the hell it was, and the fact that it got, they got canceled again or something like that. They had a cancellation the LSU sometime. Game. LSU game, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the LSU game. So there's a chance that another game might get canceled. And it's just, I don't know, man. It's hard to really say like so and so is so great when number one, everybody's there's lunacy. Number two, everybody has not played the same amount of games. And then um, number three, which is going to be the best one of them all that I just thought off the top of my head just totally flew. Oh, it's um, there was no um, out of conference play. So yeah. I, I, I hate to say this, but like as much as Ohio State is a good football team. The big 10 isn't anything to necessarily get a measurement of like how right. good they are. And maybe the Oregon game, even though I doubt it, that maybe the Oregon game would have been a little bit more of a challenge and stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I think that Ohio state being one of these upper echelon teams in a conference that is 
doesn't have the same kind of supporting cast, especially with Michigan being awful and everything like that right now. The college national title is going to be one that I think is is up for a little bit more scrutiny than the rest of the the titles that we've seen this year. Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm agreeing with you wholeheartedly that I think that's the only one that you put up for scrutiny. Mm-hmm. And I think you could do that even in a year where they play all the games um, that they, yeah. they that they don't always put the best teams in. Um, but <clears throat> but yeah, like I think take college football out of the equation because all those points you're dead on that. I mean, there, there's going to be a team out there that might only play, like, five games. <laughs> so, yep. like, Wisconsin has already missed, like, two games, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, two games. So, I mean, what if they miss another one? They're only going to play a five-game season. Um, so, you're, you're, all your points, 100% right. All the other sports, though, I, you know what? All the other teams dealt with the same circumstances. You know, some teams and some players kind of rose to the occasion and some didn't. It's, you know, in baseball, like, if people want to try to knock the, the Dodgers championship, well, why didn't one of the other teams win? I mean, they, you know, I mean, like, they all dealt with it. Same with basketball. Yeah. Same with hockey. Mm-hmm. Same with the NFL. Any other sport that's happening right now, tennis, the, ba- you know, golf with the Masters, and, like, and obviously, like, they're, that's a very different thing, but, like, they're all dealing with it. So, like, if someone, like, oh, well, this season has an asterisk. Okay. No. The champions don't. If you want to talk about like the the stats, you know, like who, you know, like the the, the numbers of, of home runs hit, the mm-hmm. you know, certain certain rates of things, the touchdown, whatever. Okay, we can talk about that, but like none of these championships have an asterisk next to them. None of them. No. Oh yeah, dude, definitely. And like all the other sports, um, baseball allowed for natural selection to give their World Series to get their world series champion. Like, you know, they beat all these other teams. They even expanded the playoffs to allow more teams in there Mm -hmm. and more people got the opportunity to enter the playoffs and still a champion was decided. I don't need 104 extra games or whatever to, to let me know about that. Basketball did a, what I call a realistic natural selection before they even went in there. There was no way that, the Cavs or like the Warriors <laughs> right. or anybody like that, we're, we're going to get in there. They cut, so they they cut just, that. They cut all the dead flesh off right away. <laughs> right away on that. So while it may not be as pure as baseball is, if we're talking just everybody showing up, they the NBA had their season cut off. The precedent for how they established the bubble was set even before the before the mm-hmm. pandemic hit. You know, so the, these these tones were already there, and. The NFL, like, it's the same thing. It's every team is going for it. It's a, you know, untouched season. There's been postponements, no cancellations, but it's everybody's playing the same amount of games. With college, it is just a giant clusterfuck of everything. Mm. And yeah, there's going to be an overabundance of asterisk discussions. There's going to be butthurt, fake Urban Meyer on Twitter or something like that if Ohio State messes up somehow. Like, there's going to be an, the Cincinnati Bearcats fans that yes, yeah, Cincinnati went undefeated and everything, but my God, they didn't get to they didn't they weren't selected to play with Alabama, Texas A and M, Ohio State, Notre Dame. What the fuck? <laughs> right. You know, like, you'll have that. So. Yeah, yeah, the college football one is that that's that's by far and away. That's the only yeah. one in, in my mind. Uh, and how about uh, about you know next year? Are we going to be talking about rearranged schedules, um, missed games, more asterisks uh, again this time next year? Oh God, um, let's. I'm going to say yes because yeah. I cannot rule out what's going to happen with this virus. And like I told you earlier, like my office was debating on going back to work in July, so. 
unfortunately, until this thing is under control, the discussion of the asterisk will always, it's going to be on the table. Yeah. Um, as, as we kind of talked about, like, off air, um, you know, like, even if this vaccine schedule is, like, essentially just January 1st or thereabouts, um, if it even, mm-hmm. if it's even developed by then, I, I mean, you, we we might be looking at another, you know, in the NBA and the NHL, they're, they're both going to start up in January. Um the baseball has a little bit of time to sit back and go, maybe we might have to cancel games preemptively. Let's start the season. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's lop a month off, lop 25, lop 25 or 30 games off. And then like, wait a couple, you know, wait a month and a half and then start our season like in May. Um, so I think, I think, you know, the, the NBA and NHL are going to be our, our guinea pigs to see what happens um, next mm-hmm. year. And then baseball is sort of like the next big domino to fall potentially to see like what's going to happen, you know, a full, you know, now a full calendar year into coronavirus. So I think, I think this is going to go on for not, not for the same levels, but the way that these sports schedules are disrupted, it might be 2022 before we have a full year where all the games take place on the days they're supposed to take place. Yeah. I am completely bracing for that dude. Yeah. I'm that's, it's a reality that, um, I can see. I know it's there. I'm just not ready to accept it yet. <laughs> yeah, I know. Same here. Same here. All right, yeah. Chema, I don't have anything else. Any final thoughts before we wrap this uh, sports episode up? Other than uh, Casino being better than Goodfellas, I don't have any other final Oof. thoughts. This is a great sports discussion. Like, uh, you know, just echoing my opinion from the election episode. But, uh, yeah, I, this was great. I'm re- really looking forward to seeing how the, uh, the Browns season turns out. Very interested to see how college football kind of pans out and everything, especially now that the the Pac-12 is in it and people in L.A. can watch or say they're watching college football. So, uh, yeah, dude, this was good, man. I'm looking forward to uh, to our next uh, sports discussion, whatever that may be. Uh, yeah, I am, too. Definitely was nice to to talk about some sports in a way that wasn't like the last time we talked about sports. Yeah, where I know. We could actually talk about stuff on the field and results and things like that, so that was really nice. Um, but yeah, this was a fun one, man. I always, always, always love talking sports and, you know, I could, I could feasibly do a sports podcast every day, but I kind of, I kind of enjoy the way that we keep it for like every, like basically what it's meant to like every other month. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And honestly, like it's the one thing, like just to make sure we have enough material to talk about, because as much as you could do it every day and talk about it every day, it is cool to just kind of hash out all of these things in like one episode and stuff. It it makes, it just helps, I think with a, like a much greater conversation yeah. and everything, you I, know, like gives you time to think about stuff and see how things played out, all that shit. Absolutely. All right, Chummy, you want to lead us out of here, man? I will definitely do that, dude. So everybody out there, thank you very much for tuning into the sports installment of the occasionalist podcast. My name is Adam Chemilewski and Matthew Pagel. We are wishing you the best and we will see you next time. Thank you.